Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball. Now then, so it's getting to the time. The Six Nations launch was in London this afternoon. We have Matt Williams with us and Keith Wood. Evening, gents. Good evening, Joe. So as uh, captain and uh, coach, respectively, in your time, you've both had your day in London, I presume, launching the Six Nations. It's a bit of a free-for-all. You've been asked questions from all angles. Did you have any particular mindset going in, Matt? Was it to plant a few bombs? Were you speaking to your players, to the opposition, or trying to say nothing? <clears throat> uh, do all of the above. Um, you probably won't try to, I, I never try to plant a few bombs because I, I just don't believe in that. I think if you say something as a coach, quite often you, you, there's something stupid like trying to plant a bomb and uh, you, your pay, players are the people that pay the price. I think we saw that last year with some of the things Eddie Jones said. He was sitting in the stand, but these boys, uh, you know, they, they had to cop the anger of, uh, of what he said. It's a pretty amazing day. Um, i got to say, the first time I went to it, I was a bit blown away. I remember just sitting there going, gee, this is big. This is bigger than I thought it was. It, it's just that many people and that much interest um, compared to almost anything I'd seen in the Southern Hemisphere and anything I'd done with club. And I imagine it's even it's on steroids today, it'd be even bigger. I, I just remember sitting there just going, wow, this is... This is something else, isn't it? And uh, you know, it's like, and that's why it's the best, the best annual tournament in the world by a country mile. It, it is amazing, but um, you've got to, as a coach, you know, I think less as a player, but as a coach, you've really got to watch what you say, because uh, everyone's trying to read in, read into what you say and trying to twist it round and trying to turn it back to bite you, which which makes it unfortunately for the, the people out there in the media. You know, a lot of the time, coaches don't say much at all. Mm because they're too scared. I mean, Eddie, Eddie Jones seems to be the permanent exception to that rule. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it was something that was a pretty extraordinary to experience. Yeah, Keith? Um, I did about 10 of them, would you believe? Wow. Five as captain and five uh, with the sponsors after I retired. Um, and I have to say, the first time I turned up, it was amazing. And you kind of forget, too, that, you know, you're... Uh, you play the game, you love the game, but you're also a fan of the game. So you're getting to see and spend time with coaches and uh, other captains and other former players that are in and around there. There's something exciting about it. After a couple of times, that wears off yeah. very quickly. It's an absolute slog fest. Um, you're rushed from one spot to the next for a photograph, for an interview, for a group of interviews, for the next group of interviews. And um, it's interesting what Maddie says. You you don't want to throw a bomb because you can't remember what you've said the next time you go up. And actually, I remember thinking that you needed to be original. You know, when you're 24 or 5 and you're captain, you're trying to figure out exactly what it is you're supposed to do. And you think, well... I can't say the same thing I said the last time because that's boring for them. But you're, of course, you've already moved on to somebody else and somebody else. And so you do end up saying, uh, and we wouldn't have been particularly media trained, but you end up saying the same thing. And it's as if this is by rote and mm. you just bang it out again. I will admit that in the last couple of years, um, I and I think I've mentioned this before, but I... Um, I gave a different answer to questions for everything. I, I said Italy were favourites, England were favourites, Ireland. I just, depending on who I was, I'd, 
I shouldn't really have been there at that stage. It didn't kind of pass me by. And I found a bit of humor where it was, you know. It's an it's a necessary evil. Mm. Um, I get interested at times to the idea of content. And this is the moment that uh, all the media partners, all the newspapers, everybody gets an opportunity to gather as much content as possible. Um, but I think most of that content is nearly obsolete in two or three days' time if something else happens or a match happens or a guy gets injured. So mm, yeah. um, it's one of those, yeah, it's kind of mad. See, it's a cattle mart, actually. Yeah. Uh, to that end, on the point about it dating very quickly, let's bring people some of what was being said today then. So we'll start with Joe Schmidt, naturally enough. Uh, here he is talking about a few different points. And first of all, his successor, Andy Farrell. He, he's been given the job and he's... He's very, very good at his job. Um, you know, he, he's, he's added value in our environment. He's also, we wanted continuity. Now, it, it was far from my decision, so it's not for me to say. But when I was asked, I didn't hesitate um, to, to endorse Andy because he, uh, he, he brings a, a real clarity of thought. He brings an understanding. Um, and, and he certainly understands either side of the ball. He could coach attack as, as well as defence. Um, so I, I think that that flexibility is really good as well. Um, and, and, you know, I think Simon Easterby is is very, very good coach. And and he, he, he could potentially have done the job. Probably hasn't had quite the same breadth of experience that Andy's had. Um, and certainly not, you know, the, the dual international experience that, that, uh, that Andy's had. Both as a player and as a coach, coaching in um, in, in the England setup as well as our setup. So, yeah, you know, I, I think he'll do a super job. I think the, there's good continuity and there's and there's a good foundation um, with the, with the young players that that are putting up their hand around the country as well. The big talking point when you announced your squad was Ross Byrne being left out. So, just to ask you briefly. Are you just looking for a reaction for him, but as well as the fact that Jack Cardi has earned his place there as well? Yeah, I, I'm not looking for reaction. I'm looking for Ross to keep building the way he has been. We've invested a, a fair bit of time in Ross, and the one thing, if you invest time in Ross, he, he'll double that up uh, himself, and, and he's been working really hard on his game. He probably hasn't had quite the same fluency of starts that he had this time last year. He, he had a lot of starts in, in, the, in the early part of the the season, Johnny's been playing a little bit more often, and and that's that hasn't probably allowed him to get the same foothold that he had last time. Where Jack's had a lot of game time, and he, and he's made really good use of it. To be fair to Jack, um, he's uh, his his line kicking, his his um, his managing of the game, his goal kicking has been has been really improved, and so everything's a contest you know we'll go into a contest in 10 days 10 days time which will be at the very height of contests uh you know for us but everything's a contest from training to to selection to um you know that 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 final preparation into a match and then there's a new contest the next week so you know uh, ross is is still very much in in the forefront of our thinking um you know, but then you've got other guys who who weren't involved um, saying they put their hand up and say, what about me? You know, Billy Burns, great chip ahead for, for Balakun to, to score that try that made the difference, Ulster v Leicester in the weekend. So, 
you know, that's that's a real positive for us that there are guys pushing through and 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 keeping pressure on. Obviously, Billy's got some good experience. Jack is building experience, as is Ross, and uh, as is Joey. Um, whereas whereas Johnny's established that 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 experience. But, but Johnny, uh, the, the great thing about Johnny is he, he's pushing himself. He, he wants to learn, he wants to grow the, the game and, and, and the way he manages the game. So, yeah, it's, it, it, they're tough decisions and I, I'd, I'd be the first to put my hand up and say we don't get them all right all the time. Just on injuries, Joe, uh, Johnny Saxton, is, is he good to go for, for England now? Or? Yeah, I would be super confident there because he trained yesterday and, and it was very light yesterday because there were guys who played on Sunday, a lot of guys who played on Sunday and, and other guys, you know, you go three three derbies in a row where you go two Europe, three derbies and two more Europe, That's that can be a little bit attritional. So uh, it's just allowing them a little bit of a quiet return. Um, a light run um, or a light bit of individual skill stuff today and then then we hit the ground running tomorrow. And then just unfortunate obviously then to lose uh, Ian Henderson and, and Ty Burnt injury over the weekend. Yeah, gutted for them. Um, you know, Ian Henderson has six six weeks out, comes back, man of the match in a massive game for Ulster. Uh, Ty Byrne, he'd had two clean turnovers. He, he, he was playing incredibly well against Exeter who were physically formidable and he was hanging in there doing a great job he's got line out acumen as well um, and so that you know those two guys are a loss but um, you know Alton had been really good in his, his previous game against Sale and Quinn Rue had, had been super for us in November so you know that's what we're trying to have we're trying to be able to to substitute guys in um, that aren't too far off um, and we're already in comp- competition with the guys that were missing. So that was the bulk of the Joe Schmidt with the radio crew this afternoon in London. Just one uh, much shorter clip just to play you. So Eddie Jones separately has said that Ireland are the best team in the world and naturally this was put to Joe. Yeah look I'd love to believe that you know we're not ranked number one um, and uh, I I don't I don't really see it like that because I think best in the world is is on any given day because a test match you know you, you watch tours and you see oh, one team win the first two and the other team win the other one or you know results are so fickle they can they can swing on, on very small margins you know we went to Australia last year the only test we lost in the in the season was was that one in Australia at the same time um, you know we got the next two back uh, and so it, it's very fickle um, yeah he walked past me in the corridor and said he was going to throw a few grenades in I have felt a bit of shrapnel during the day, and um, I, I've no doubt that there'll there'll be more than grenades. There, there'll be there'll be full uh, there'll be full tanks and 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 full shells landing on the Aviva in in ten days' time. So, you know they've got a, they've got a super team, England, and I think they they uh, they improve through November. They'll improve further with the the guys they've got coming back into the squad. So. Yeah, uh, I, I think people will be pretty excited to see the outcome of that, um, and I'll be pretty nervous. I got the distinct impression, to be honest, Keith, that uh, rather than being phased or bothered by Eddie Jones, Joe Schmidt quite enjoys Eddie Jones. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know actually. Um, uh, I just find I do find a lot of the grenades that are described that are thrown over. I'm, 
I don't like them. I just don't like them in the game, actually. I think they're kind of an unnecessary element. And a lot of that is the key of deflection, you know, trying to move some of the pressure off himself and off his team. Um, I don't know whether he likes it or not, really. I'm um, he kind of like when somebody says, I'm going to get them when I get the chance, you know, mm. um, whether that is the case with Joe or not. I, I, you know, I don't I don't know. I know in times past we'd have had things written up and stuck up on the wall when you're inside in the changing rooms to just if, in case you needed any impetus to go on any further. Yeah, um, I do feel most of that, not all of it, but most of that has moved on. You know, it is about the process and uh, you, unattractive and all of that sounds. It doesn't have to be about spice or, or anything, you know. So mm. it's, um, uh, I think Eddie Jones is actually under uh, significant pressure. And I know there's no irony in me saying that because I'm not involved in the Irish rugby squad. But uh, that's the comments that we would make from the outside mm. is that they did really well in the autumn. Um, but they need to back that up with something. And uh, I think I think this first game for us is is just incredibly tough. I'm well, looking forward to it too. But. There's no doubt. The other um, Schmidt comments, man. I might just get your thoughts on. Uh, he was asked about the lines, and so he's um, well. He hasn't ruled himself out totally. So what he's saying is that he absolutely wants 12 months out when he finishes up at the end of the World Cup. He was asked specifically about leading the lines, and he said, "I wouldn't be available if asked at the moment." Um, which is a good line. He said, I said to my wife that we'll get these 12 months done. And then she said, you'll last 12 days, potentially without needing to do something. So she's a bit sceptical. And uh, the word is Gatlin's had informal talks with uh, Lions bosses. He seems to be open to uh, South Africa in 2021. What do you think about Schmidt and the Lions and the lack of lead-in time? Do you think he'd enjoy it or would it, would it drive him nuts, Matt? Uh, look, I, I, I think you're, you're hearing things there that Joe, to, to me... Um, looks really tired. I don't think I'm not suggesting he's not 100% dedicated or giving everything he's got to it. I, I don't mean that at all. But it, there's a price to pay for everything you do in life, and uh, you know what he's doing now is incredibly uh, stressful and demanding, and uh, sort of sort of on the lines of what we were talking with Keith about just then. Like he's just a class person, and and I think he loves the game. I know he loves the game, and I don't think he would. Uh, one, that's why I don't think he enjoys what Eddie does. Uh, he throws the comments in and all that because I think he would see it as disrespectful to people in the game. And Joe's, you can hear him talk about his players and how respectful he is speaking about the players and how uh, how much uh, empathy he has for, for people with selection. Um, so he want to do a perfect job. he want to do a great job. I, I think he'd be a fantastic Lions coach because he's a collaborative guy. He can bring people in. Uh, he's, he's very, very detailed. I, I personally think the Lions need a change. Uh, certainly, you know, some of the feedback was coming back from tour. It just, it just needs every now and then as, as wonderful a, a record as, as uh, Gaddy has. It probably needs a bit of a change there, and, and I think he'd be great at it. I just don't know if personally... He's uh, he's ready for that because there's a whole lot of things we don't know as, he, as we're saying about his family and, mm. and you know that that comes first. He's given a lot. His family have given him a lot to do his job. I know because I've had the same thing. And you've got to give a bit back at some stage there. Yeah. Who do you give first refusal to on the Lions, Keith? Personally, um, I think it's there's a lot of conversations that happen at the start. Um, it's a long way out, and you're looking for a guy that is available. You know, and I know that sounds kind of wrong because it's such a big, um, it's such a big deal. 
Um, but it is a big deal that requires an awful lot of admin that's done that isn't as intense as some of the other stuff. Of course, there's media and elements of that, but the tour itself is only a number of weeks, uh, six, seven, eight weeks tops now. Um, so the intensity is huge, but it's for that period of time. Uh, for someone as organized as Joe Smith, I think he'd be able to put all that together and not consider that something that impinges too much on his time. I think he'd like to be obsessively over everything, mm. but it isn't over every player every minute of every day. And um, I think there probably is the window for him uh, in that instance. And and it depends what Gatlin wants to do. I mean, I read some of the comments about him over the weekend. He's thinking, yeah, he'd like to go back to uh, to New Zealand and coach uh, a super side, or maybe he'd like to go back into premiership co- coaching in the UK or maybe in France. Um, and maybe he, he's now talking to the Lions. Um, I think he's doing what... A coach who's going to be finished his job in nine months is supposed to do. He's casting out the net to see what's out there. Yeah. You know? So I don't know who you go to first. Um, I'd be. I think to be really interesting to see um, how Joe Schmidt would his take on the lines would be. Um, uh, I think Gatland has done very well in the last couple. Yeah, but I'm asking you, who? Um, oh, I'd go for Joe Schmidt, of course. Okay. Yeah. Um, on to England then, um, Eddie Jones, this is just a short clip, so he's making the point here, if nothing else, about the quality on show across this Six Nations. Have a quick listen. Well, I think you've just got to look at the world rankings. You know, Ireland's second in the world, Wales a third, Scotland's fifth, we're fourth. That's, that's four of the top five sides in the world playing this competition. Eddie, Ireland have big problems in the second row. They've lost a couple of big players there. Does that make your job any easier? Uh, well, they got good depth. Uh, you know, they've still got James Ryan and Taylor at least uh, to pick from, so I'm sure they're going to put out a strong side. Do you think the success of the Irish provinces will feed into the Irish team this year? Well, I think they've got a well-coordinated system, you know, where they've got four teams feeding into the national side, all their programmes are monitored, yeah, they've got a very, very good system and they're seeing the fruits of that with their national team, seeing the fruits of that with their professional team. Finally, Eddie, Joe Smith claims you've been throwing a few grenades today. Uh, something you go along with? Uh, well, I don't know what I've said, mate, but uh, if that's the way you want to portray it, then, yeah, there's been bombs going off everywhere. I don't know where they are, though. So, uh, he can be cranky. I think at one point Schmidt referenced the um, bat phone comment that he made about Sexton. In Eddie Jones's now annual reference to some aspect of Johnny Sexton, uh, Schmidt referenced that. So on they go. I'll, I'll, re, um, I'll reclassify my question where I said I think he enjoys um, Eddie Jones. To, he's not rattled by it anyway, Matt. He can take it in his stride, Joe Schmidt. I don't think it's keeping him up at night. No, not at all. Um, you know, Eddie, Eddie's come through the system uh, back at the turn of the century of Rob McQueen. And Rod, always you had Agenda A and Agenda B. Agenda A was what you say within the team, so what you're really saying, what your tactics are and what you're doing, and Agenda B was what you say to the media. And, um, you know, that Eddie hasn't deviated from that in 20 years, and he's got his own out half there that's, um, you know, done a couple of late high shots. He's a very, very good player. Um, Farrell, don't get me wrong, I'm a, I'm a big fan of him, but that's just reality. And what's he done? He's taken away the focus 
from the referee saying, well, if he does another high shot, will he be carded in the game, to saying, well, Johnny does rule the refereeing in the game, the referee shouldn't listen to him. So he's just trying to deflect the the... The, the the dialogue and the discussion away from what other people might do. And, you know, you've you got to understand that it's very successful mm. because the vast majority of journalists, you know, he throws he throws a little bit of meat out there and the vast majority of rugby journos chase it. Yeah. You know, he was talking about his fullback playing seven the other day. I heard it. I just started laughing. You know, I thought, oh, my God. You know, it's like... But that's him. And he, and he he's an older guy and he's... It's like Keith like said, he's sick of doing all this. He's sick of doing all these things. And he just goes out and stuffs around with it. But but I think, you know, I'm not sure if it's been seven. I don't have any information around that. But last year, I thought his team, as I said before, his team paid a price. Like what he was saying before they went up to Scotland, uh, you know, the, I know the, the modern way, we're only going to put one guy in the ruck. And, yeah. of course, the Scots flooded the ruck and they got turned over left, right and centre. Yeah. He was hugely disrespectful to the, to the Welsh 10 and uh, before the game and you know the Welsh boys didn't like it and they came out and they should have won that game there was a TMO error that uh, stopped them from winning and I, I just think it's 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 not smart it's not Eddie's a really good coach a really hard worker and he's been around a long time he deserves a lot of our um, our credit and our admiration instead we're all a lot of people sort of saying look that's that's pretty undignified and I, I, I don't like him doing it personally. Regarding how England are shaping up then Keith so uh Billy Vinopol is back at Saracens. He has made three starts for England in two years. Uh, it's been mm. an extraordinary run. And then Manitou Laghi as well, last started for England in 2013. So those two suddenly back for how long? We don't know, but they're back. Um, the other interesting thing then is, you know, this time last year, Jones was still very much married to the Ford and Farrell combination of 10 and 12. You look at his most recent backline for New Zealand, he went with Slade and Teo in the centre and started with Farrell. It does seem like he's largely abandoned the, the Ford-Farrell uh, concept at this point anyway. He seems to have. I, I know Slade has um, a lot of the handling, I think, that might counteract the fact of not having a yeah. second 5-8 in the team. Um, uh, I think for the first time in a long time, England actually look very dangerous. I, they've most of their players back. Is that right? Is that um, um, date you said for... Um, to Alagi, yeah. To, I, I, read, I, I read it about an hour ago and I had to double check it. So I might triple okay. check it as you're talking. It's, seen, it's hard to fathom his last start for England will be 2013. I'll double check it again. Billy okay. Vinopola is certainly three starts in two years. Okay, and irrespective of the two Alagi, he hasn't started for a while. Yeah. We can say that. And he's come back to uh, almost premature fanfare at every occasion since... Uh, hasn't had a sustained period of time playing, is an incredibly destructive player when he's on song. He looks like he's slimmed up a little. Mm. He looks very, very fit. He's played well, but he's made mistakes while he's come back. So uh, those mistakes get um, get highlighted the further up the tree you go. And once you get to Ireland in the first match... Yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. A Six Nations match 2013. That okay, certainly is okay. the stat. So he's been there, thereabouts. Okay. But it's the last time in a Six, last time in a six Nations match yeah. Manu Tuilagi is going to start for England. But I think he, he is a great player when he's, when he's playing yeah. well. You know, when he's playing for a period of time. So whether he's played enough to get back to those levels or not, and whether he can heighten the manner in which he plays in an international, which he probably can, um, but I think he is a proper threat, and he may be a guy to bring off the bench almost, not to start with. Um, uh, Billy Vinopola, on the other hand, is um, 
uh, the big run of games that England won was it eighteen or nineteen yeah. games that they won. Um, he was at, uh, at number eight for the vast majority of those, if not all of them, um, and he was a phenomenon. And so things haven't gone well for him back. He's broken his arm three times, I think it is. Yeah, and I was, I, was listening to, both I, was, I was listening to Matt Dawson on his um, podcast the other evening and he was looking at some of Funapola's return performances and, and he's seeing a reluctance to put that arm in any kind of vulnerable position. If someone's in tight to him with the tackle, he'll throw his body at him. But as for sticking out that arm to try and stop someone, yeah. he's, um, he's worried about it as you would be. Well, he admitted to that. Yeah. Um, he, he admitted to that in one of the articles over the, over, the, uh, over the last week or 10 days that he was trying to ease his way into it. You know, there's a certain level of that. And I of, often think it depends on the injury. There's certain injuries. He said, yeah, that's fine. Mm. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll throw it into the mill and see what happens. There's other ones who tend to be more circumspect. Neck injuries. But for him, breaking an arm three times is, you know, twice is the same break as far as I know. Um, like that, of course, is a doubt. Um, and I know I look, I had 12 shoulder operations and I, I, um, I used to kind of go back at a really good surgeon, but I'd go back and think, well, he said, I'm fine. I'm fine. And uh, strangely, I never rehurt one of those injuries um, in a short period of time after coming back. Right. They were all was slightly different. So instead of it being my shoulder, it was my collarbone, or it was the other collarbone. You know. Yeah. So um, I, I think you get your head around it, but it's hard for him to get his head around it. In like, if we've looked at any of the English-Irish games in the Heineken Cup in the European Cup, they have been the most attritional. They've mm. been the most physical. So I think we can be pretty uh, safe with the idea that the match at the start of February is going to be brutal. Yeah. Uh, the word today, Owen Farrell very much going to be fit, Matt. He's had thumb surgery. Uh, Dan Robson, who scored that try against Leinster at the weekend, is in the squad as well. So England with Vunapola and Tuolagi, um, as Keith says, there's a sense that maybe they have turned a corner and they're going to arrive in Dublin, pitch up in pretty good shape. Oh, without doubt. Um, you know, they, they just lost to New Zealand in November and Ireland just defeated New Zealand. Now, I know one, there's a big difference in, in joy, yeah. but England played really well against uh, against New Zealand. They walloped Australia, and we're un- I hate to say it, we're going to see a lot more of that happening around the world in the next few years, which is not is another subject. But uh, look, last year they lost their way. They, that, this time last year, the week before the Six Nations last year, England were the team to beat. We were, we were all sitting here talking about England. We weren't saying that uh, Ireland are really online for a Grand Slam. We knew Ireland would be there or thereabouts, but England were the team. And England completely and utterly stuffed up last year's Six Nations. Yeah. Like most English sides, it's, and I'm talking about all sports, once they start believing their own press and they're, in, they're totally uh, uh, infallible and they're going to win everything and their press start and they believe it, that's when they fail. They do it at cricket, they do it at... You know, you, you know, do it at rugby, they do it at rugby league. Every time, th- that's when they're at their weakest. When they've got blood dripping off their chin, that someone's just put a good right one on their nose, and that's what's happened the last 12 months, that's when they're most dangerous. Yeah. When, when they've got something to prove. And they've got something to prove. We, you know, Ireland humiliated them at Twickenham last year. And it doesn't matter which way you cut that up. It was a wonderful day for Irish rugby. But there was a serious amount of English humble pie to be had. And they're coming for revenge. Mm. And, and you can understand why. They're a, I think they'll be a better side than last year. 
those losses will have taught them a lot. They turned some corners in South Africa. And I, I, I think, uh, like Keith said, this is a pretty good English side and it's going to be unbelievably physical mm. and it's going to be for 80 minutes. And that bench is going to play a very, very big role. It's, it's, and, you know, again, in my opinion, whoever has got more points on the board at the Aviva on the first round will win the Six Nations. It's, it's simple as that. On the uh, physicality point, a quick uh, listener, Brian O'Driscoll, he was on OTBAM this morning. You can watch the full interview on uh, YouTube, but here he is talking about which English player he might covet for Ireland. I, I, was, I did an interview 15 minutes ago and I was asked, what England player would I want? You know, if I could pick one, who would I want to bring across? Yeah. And I went through the whole thing. <laughs> and then the journalist said, so that's none. <laughs> And I, I then backtracked because I didn't want them to say none in his article. So I said, oh, I fit Manu too laggy, but I don't think Manu would want to. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think you're dropping either of our, our guys. Um, so Is it a Paul again in our team? Um, or was it only Vijay? Yeah, I think Billy does. Yeah. I think that, that's, maybe I should ring him back up and say, Billy, <laughs> too late. Yeah, it is too late. The headlines are already out there. It'll, um, it'll be sad to see. So um, that's England. Just to touch on the others today, Conor O'Shea was there. Um, there are rumours of the two Laurens at Racing being linked to the um, Italian job. Conor O'Shea's contract goes through until 2020. Italy have lost uh, 10 of 10 in the Six Nations under O'Shea, so uh, he was talking about all that today. We're going to give the Six Nations this year to you know, make ourselves proud as a country. Italy want to win games of rugby at the very highest level, not just be competitive. That's what, that's what you play for. But it's a process, and I want these guys to understand that what that process involves that we do, and then we have to go out and deliver it. Connor, how frustrating has it been? You've spoken a lot about how you see the squad developing, but the results haven't always been there for the public to see. Uh, yeah, because we're playing at the highest level. If you want us to pick off a few, uh, we'll play Belgium, Portugal, we'll get loads of wins and we'll all happy happy days. We're not about that. We play at the highest level. Uh, we've been competitive in so many games, but the, the, the game of rugby has moved on. Leaps and bounds from the day that I retired, from the day Sergio started playing, uh, and all the countries and the levels that they have. And we, we've had to make up for probably the neglect of a lot of years within the system, not of people not working hard, not of people not doing good jobs, of a system keeping up with everybody else. And now we're, we're putting those piece by piece within the, within the uh, resources we have in place. But I look at the players we have, I look at the, the, the confidence that, not just, I'm saying Sergio because he's beside me, but the belief that they have in their own ability. And does that mean there's not going to be hard days? Of course not, there will be. Uh, but we've probably... You know, probably a lot of people didn't want us to beat Georgia. Didn't fit the story, did it? Beating Georgia, so no one talks about it. Uh, you know, Fiji beat France. Well, we beat Fiji. Uh, Japan, brilliant win against South Africa in 2015. Well, we beat them in 2016, and we've beaten Japan. So that's the teams around us, but we want to be up at the highest level. So, yes, the wins, losses doesn't look that's what we're judged on and it's not because we play at the highest level but we're just going to go out every game and give everything we have as a coaching group as a playing group and together we will keep on driving this group Connor it's never been done in the Six Nations era but is it possible for a team to do back-to-back -back Grand Slams? Oh, I think if uh, 
I think if someone does a Grand Slam this year, uh, it will be an incredible achievement because I just think the level of the competition is just enormous. And if you're slightly off your game, uh, you will come a, you'll come a cropper. You look at Wales, haven't lost nine or ten Test matches. Scotland have the two teams in the Champions Cup quarters and will go in with confidence. And Ireland are where they are, England, France and ourselves. But... Um, I think it's going to be very, very difficult to do that. I think if Ireland do, uh, do back-to-back, they will be favourites for the World Cup, not New Zealand. Yeah, there you go, Conor O'Shea. Keith, I'm not sure how concrete those rumours are about the two Laurens at Racing. Later on, O'Shea was asked about them, and he said, would I expect the Italian Federation to be looking at alternatives? They say they're not, but I hope they are. If they weren't, they would be slammed for not looking at alternatives. In 10 years' time, I want to be having a beer, sitting in the stadium, and watching an Italian team do well so that I can say... I had a hand in its progress. Um, so 10 for 10, if he goes 15 for 15 without a win, it's going to start getting very sticky, and yet he can only work with what he has as well. What does he have? Um, I think he's a he's class. I played with Connor. Um, I know what makes him tick. I know what he wanted to do when he went over to Italy was he saw a, a load of young guys coming through the under-20s that had played pretty well for two or three years. And he said, let's see what we can do and bring these guys to the forefront. It's in a while he had fully got her. He has had one point there in the midst of it. The game is moving on at a ferocious rate. It really, it really is. So they're getting better, but you're not seeing any benefit of it because so is everybody else. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I would agree. I think this particular Six Nations um was probably keeping him awake at night because all the teams have, they're in form. You know, they did well in the autumn. They did well over the summer. They have got players back. They look strong. It looks uh, ready for a big 12 months. And he is trying to eke it along. I think he's got some decent guys that are coming into it. Um, but even in what he's saying, he's that's not deflecting, saying that I hope Italy are looking at other people. Um, he is... He's an honest guy. Yeah. He wants them to do well. Um uh, he will lose his job at some stage uh, or his job is over, his contract is over after the World Cup. And I, um, I, whatever about the rumours that are going in there, he has a contract to go there. The World Cup is different and they will get a, hopefully a, a few games. Uh, maybe they get a win, maybe they don't. It's very, very tough for them. This is a horrible year for him. Um, but he would still want them to do well whenever he's gone. And he intimates to that point. That's true. Mm. That's the sort of guy he is. So he's brought a lot in. He's tried to do a huge amount of structural change, things that would uh, bear fruit. He wished they'd bear fruit next week, but they may not bear fruit for a year or two years' time. So, um, look, I think he has a different... He has a different role. Um, he's probably trying to tackle three or four roles from the head coach job. And uh, there could even be a role there for him without being the head coach because he's been a director of rugby at Harlequins. He's had a lot of different experience and experiences. Uh, he's an intelligent guy. He has been in the midst of professional rugby since the start. Um, and he is uh, an aptitude you wouldn't want to lose in the game. And there'll be a value there, whether it's with the head coach role or not. So I just think it's a really tough year for him. Yeah. You know, and he, the last thing he wants is our sympathy because he just wants to get on and do the job and see if they can sneak a win or sneak two wins. But I just think it looks very, very tough for them. Yeah. 
Um, the clock is against us, Matt. We'll come back to Italy again, no doubt. So um, on the opening night, we're going to have uh, Wales in Paris. This time, or last year, uh, Wales beat France in the last day. It's kind of hard to remember the last day beyond Twickenham, but they won 14-13. So uh, Gatlin was talking today, uh, Lee Halfpenny's going to be out of the first two games with that concussion issue, which continues. No Gareth Davies as well, and no Scott Williams. Uh, Jacques Brunel, five uncapped players in his squad. No Teddy Thomas for the Six Nations, which is a blow to them. They finished uh, fourth last year, and we remember opening night in Paris uh, last year. They did beat England in last year's Six Nations. In November, they lost to Fiji, and they lost to South Africa, and then obviously were on tour in um, New Zealand. 52-11 was the worst result on their tour in New Zealand, and there have been worse results, I suppose. So, um, I mean... France, um, a word on them, and then Wales. I presume we don't want Wales going for a Grand Slam on that uh, Paddy's weekend when Ireland have to go to uh, Cardiff. We want their momentum interrupted at some stage. We d- definitely. We don't, want, uh, we don't want to be going to, uh, to the millennium with, uh, with them with uh, the spring sunshine on their backs if the roof's open because the Irish record uh, at Cardiff is not sensational. So... The, the, you know, there's a banana skin for them in Paris. The French team are always difficult to sum up uh, in this era. I would have said before the Fiji game that they've made significant progress with Jacques Brunel and they'd improved. And then they came out in that Fiji game and they were absolutely appalling. So I would hope that that's a, for the good of the tournament, I would hope that that's a... Uh, a failure that they can learn from and that they'll progress. They're certainly a better side than they were last year. Jacques Brunel got a lot of criticism, what I thought was quite ignorant, and he's an exceptionally good coach. He was a former Italian coach, had a better record than Connor does, and I endorse everything he said about about Connor being a wonderful bloke and a, and a highly intelligent man. Jacques Brunel's a, a smart guy too. He's got some good good men around him in that team. They're rebuilding. They've got good plans in place. They're doing a lot around French rugby from the Federation, um, trying to trying to bolster the the ranks, they're trying to uh, of the juniors and train them up in a better way. They're changing the number of foreign players yeah. they're allowed to play in the in the teams over the next few years, and that will take time to kick in. For this year's Six Nations, they're still going to put out a pretty good team, they're, but they just have made so many errors over the last few years, so many uh, unforced errors, and and had such poor um, discipline. If their discipline was better last year, they certainly would have beaten Scotland and maybe one other. Uh, you know, again against Wales, they were just giving away ridiculous penalties. Now that seems to have have been uh, reined in. So it, it's exactly what we were saying. This is such a close competition with nothing between four of the sides. I think the Italians are right out the bottom end, unfortunately for Connor. But it, it would certainly not surprise me to see to see the French, you know, come home with three wins. Uh, maybe more coming out of this and being contenders at, at some point in the in the last few days, and it also wouldn't surprise me if they came away with one because you just don't know what you're going to get with them. Uh, where the Welsh are going to be a lot more consistent. They're, they're, they, it doesn't matter what their provinces are done. Um, I think it's a, quite an irrelevancy where your provinces are and your and your club teams are. They pick the best thirty odd players and put them in. The, the Welsh are still going to produce a very very good team. So it, it'll be a fascinating night. I, I'd like to see France win to be really honest. Okay. I will get to people's Heineken Star comments after the break. You're all in the mix for some very nice prizes, including match day tickets and off-the-ball branded goodies. The clock uh, very much against us. A busy couple of weeks ahead. Keith, Matt, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Cheers, Jack. Pleasure, Jack. 
Wednesday Night Rugby on Off The Ball. 